welcome back to another episode of the What The Fork Sunland Preview Podcast. The lads won again on Saturday, this time seeing off Darren Ferguson's promotion pretenders, Peterborough, with a Grant Ledbetter penalty. However, the fun doesn't stop there as we meet the dreaded Charlton for the first time since our ill-fated Wembley trip back in May 2019. And things have changed ever so slightly, but to preview our visit to the Valley as an old pal of mine. So Nathan from Charlton Live Podcast, how are you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, not bad, mate. Living the dream. It's been a, been a while, I suppose. Also, we've kept in touch now and again in between. But, um, I mean, yeah, that May Day, obviously, it'll be a... Obviously, you've probably tried to erase it from your memory. But, um, me, for obviously other reasons, um, we've had to keep it there because of all the shenanigans that have gone on. But it's all done now. Um, but, yeah, we've looked at the fixtures when we saw you. Hopefully, we had... Um, I was sort of hoping we had you sort of early doors just to get it out of the way because I don't want to be going... Um, if we're nearer the top of the league, which ain't going to plan at the moment, and then having to go up to the stadium a light trying to get a win. So, yeah, I don't know really what to expect, but yeah, lots changed, mate. Yeah, it has. And I mean, talking about that day in May, I've got to be honest, and I've had some pretty low moments as a Sunderland fan, but for 25 minutes after that full-time whistle, I think I just sat in Wembley and it's, but it's, but it's weird. It's like, it seems forever ago, and probably more so since sort of the, the COVID situation happened, but probably more so for you. I think we've got to probably start right at the top of the, the news feed here. I'll be honest, I've, I only know sporadic things about it, um, but Charlton have finally been taken over. I think it's Thomas mm. Sandgard that's taken the reins. So That's the one, yeah. So, so what's the feeling around Charlton at the minute following that news? Um, well, it's been a long time, <laughs> obviously, with when Roland was there and then he sold it. Um, to ESI, which when you had Tanu Nima and Matt Southall and all the stuff that went on with all the spending that was um, that went on, but no money went to the club, and then it was it's it's quite a lot. We haven't got long enough to go through it all, but and then it was sold again, um, but then it wasn't really sold, and there was an injunction a few weeks ago. But somehow, um, Sandgard come out of nowhere. Literally, he came out. He said that he wanted to buy a club, buy the club rather. Um, and as you can imagine, all the fans are going, right, who's this chancellor again? Because that's all we seem to be attracting. And um, he's been a breath of fresh air. You know, he's come out of his plan. He's, you know, he said it's one of the best days of his life since, I mean, it's still early days. We're not going to get too carried away with it. But I think for the fans, it's just a relief. And a, I said on our podcast the other day, it's like a grey cloud that's gone. Um, yeah. And we can we can just start now. Because obviously we was on, in, the, in a transfer embargo. Um in January, um, and that, that that showed towards the tail end of last season, where we were really struggling with injuries, and we couldn't sign anyone, um, and we missed. We only got relegated in the ninety third minute when uh, Barnsley scored against Brentford. But um, but yes, yeah, a new season again. We've started with hardly any players because we were still under that embargo. That got lifted on Friday. Uh, signed a couple on Saturday, and then should be some more in the door in time for Saturday, which is good to know. <laughs> but yeah, it's been it's been a whirlwind, mate. But yeah, the overall feeling for everyone is just glad it's sorted now. We can actually things about Charlton now is we'll be talking about things on the pitch instead of off of it. Yeah, because I think with Charlton, even going right back to the game where we won in the, the sort of ninety six minute, the first game of the season with, with Gucci scoring. I think even then it was the conversation about Charlton wasn't necessarily about what problems you would present us. It was just like where Charlton were. But I was kind of reading when it happened. I've got to be honest, I haven't looked too far into it, but it looked like 
Thomas Sandgard was quite active on Twitter about it. And I think Sunderland fans listening to this will be like, uh-oh, because that was Stuart Donald a bit. But, but who is he? Where's he come from? So basically, he's, um, he's obviously Danish-born, but he lives over in Colorado. He's got like a, a medical uh, sort of business. I think he's valued around about half, I think it's about half a billion. I could be wrong. Um, and it was, it was always a dream of his to, to own a football club. And it was only the last sort of few years that he's been in a position financially to do it. And um, someone mentioned to him that obviously there could be an opportunity with Cholton and and then he's obviously by Danish descent, obviously he's, we've had quite a few Danish players um, and he just wanted to get it done. And he was vocal on um, Twitter and social media, like you say, um, which was, um, you know, some fans were getting impatient because he was saying he's going to get it done. He's going to get it done. But then you had the impending injunction with the, in the courts that was saying that ESI couldn't sell it. I don't know the legalities of how he's got around it, but I don't really care. Uh, the EFL passed him and whatever his legal team have done, they've got around it somehow. But um, yeah, he, he's come in and he's obviously got the embargo. and He's proved everything to the EFL. He put money into an escrow account to prove that, you know, he's there and he's, he wants to, I know it's, it's, all, it's all empty words at the moment, but he said in 15 years, he wants to make us one of the best teams in Europe, which, which to be fair, you know, every owner's, no owner's going to go, well, I'm hoping to win League One in 10 years. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's all good at the moment. But yeah, he's, he's come about. And I think the thing is, is it's his, his passion. I know Stuart Donald come in and Charlie came in with a, with a, what's the word? Quite a, a sense of enthusiasm. <laughs> But uh, yeah, but I think I think sometimes you can read through people, and um, the, he had a he had a an interview with Ben Ransom at Sky Sports, and just the way he was talking, his facial expressions could see that he really wanted it, and only time's going to tell. No one, you know, we're still going to have some elements of doubt, but we've got we've got to focus and try and be a little bit positive because the last what six, seven, eight years haven't been that great, so it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. Talking of the, the team themselves, I think it was really weird. After the, the Wembley game, we we walked down Wembley Way and vastly different to the, the Czech Trade Trophy final with, with Portsmouth, which I think was a bit bad-tempered. But I think Sunderland and Charlton have always had this kind of bond probably since 98. And I was, I was yeah. sort of walking down Wembley Way and started speaking to this one lad on his own. And I hope he listens to this because I never knew what happened to him. But he lived in Glasgow, funny enough, which is where at the time I was going back to. And he basically said, it's been such a great day. But to be honest, I think we'll come straight back down because of X, Y, Z and everything that was going on with it. But then I remember you, the season started really well. And for me, I'm sure you were top in the first couple of months. And obviously, I think mm -hmm. naturally I expected you to probably drop off a little and maybe land in mid-table. But I thought, you know what, I wonder what that lad's thinking now. But I remember just looking randomly, I think as COVID hit to see where the table was and going, hang on a minute, they're, they're right in danger with that. Now, I know you lost Lyle Taylor COVID onwards, but, but where and when did things start to go wrong after such a good start last season then? Uh, well, it's usually with us, it's usually around Christmas. And I think the the biggest thing for us was we got a player on loan from Chelsea called Conor Gallagher, who was his first senior season. Um, he was a bit of an unknown quantity and a lot of teams didn't really know unless they followed the under-23s. He was voted player of the season the year before for Chelsea. And 
and to be fair, when he came in, you know, it's similar to now where we've got the Man United player, Dylan Levitt, who's a great player. So we only, played, only saw him yesterday, but or Sunday rather. Um, but yeah, Connor came in, scored some great goals. Was, was trying to explain is is when Scott Parker in his, was in his heyday, literally all or nothing. But he had that little bit of flair and that little bit of guile in, in the in the final third. And obviously, uh, when it came to January, Chelsea called him back and sent him out to Swansea uh, straight away, which for me, um, I only think it's probably to do with money. Um, I can't imagine us paying a lot of the wages, um, whereas Swansea could probably afford a lot more of the wages. Um, and then we lost Jonathan Lecco um, just before Christmas, who was a big player for us, a good outlet for us. And then, um, yeah, and so for me, they were the two main ones, really, where a lot of our goals were coming, being scored by or being assisted from. Um, and obviously, Lyle had a, an injury in between. Um, and Macaulay Bond stepped up a little bit, but Macaulay Bond wasn't brought in to be our number one striker in the championship. He was more of a project coming from Leighton Orient. So I think that, and then it came to January um, and Matt Southall was saying, you know, we're going to buy this. And he's met the Peterborough chairman and we're looking at Madison and Tony to buy. And But little did we know at the time we was under embargo. So that was never going to happen. And then we ended up getting a, a Sunderland legend of Aidan McGeady. So... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so and then after that, it was just a case of we're, I was trying to patch a team together, and and we just we just couldn't change games, and and our sort of goals sort of dried up a bit. If we if we conceded first, it was were we really going to get two goals? Not really. But I think the main bits for me was when Connor and Jonathan Lecco weren't at the club anymore. Yeah, and I think that the squad in general was quite small, wasn't it? Realistically. Um, one of the, the sort of big things that I've taken from and it's probably more to do with the fact that um, I think openly I'll admit I, I watch a lot of Rangers and I think Joe Rebo had heard a lot of but hadn't watched enough of Joe Rebo I suppose up yeah. until Wembley and for me at Wembley just he, he was anything good that came from Charlton was just through him and I thought well you can understand why he's been linked to I think it was Man City and whatnot at the time you could just see he had something about them but when you look at the team now, I mean, I was looking at your team for the first few games and a, a, a lot's changed. There's no Lyle Taylor, which is probably the one Sunderland fans would know. It's obviously Joe Rebo since last Wednesday has gone. No Naby Saar, which I know he's remembered in Sunderland for scoring a pretty decent goal at Wembley, but he <laughs> good player nonetheless. But yeah. I think on paper, probably from last season and, and the, the name that most Sunderland fans would go to was the best champion over the past few years is Lyle Taylor. But... I think him being your stand-up player, fair enough, but it looks to me like the, the relationship soured with fans a little because he refused to play, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. Another player who we missed this year is Josh Cullen, um, who played in the final, who crossed it in. But, um, and, uh, and obviously Patrick Bauer is not here anymore. But yeah. yeah, I mean, with the COVID situation, it was, um, it, it was hard because you can understand, you know, you get the, you get the vibe where, you know, he's got to look after himself. Football's a short career, et cetera, et cetera. Which, you know, I, I, I understand that. But I think a lot of the, in my opinion, the, the, the problem where it lied was he didn't want to play just in case he got injured because he was due a big move. Fine. But the problem is, is that if he turned around and said, well, I will play until my contract expires on the 30th of June, then yeah, that's, but then after that, I'm not then you'll go, okay, fair enough. 
but it was the fact that he said that you know he's not he's not going to play which is he's right but there was there was interviews beforehand him saying when the contract thing was happening and a contract wasn't being offered he'd come out and saying i'm going to remain the first, you know the the model professional and blah 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 but then when it happened he ne- you know he, he never did and and i think that's probably where it soured a bit i don't wish any harm on him um obviously him at Nottingham Forest aren't doing very well at the moment I know that much but I I just think it was a bit of um it was a letdown because he knew Bowyer knew and everyone knew if we had Lyle Taylor those last games I honestly think we would have stayed up because one goal would have done it one win Wigan or Birmingham or one goal that we would have stayed up and I think that's what really what we if it was just like I mean Chris Solly has been there for years at Charlton, been there since youth, and he he's, he didn't play. But the difference was is that Lyle was a game changer. Lyle could get you a goal out of nothing. And I think that's what hurt the fans. And um, and I think that's probably why it has soured. It's calmed down a bit now because life goes on. But it was difficult to take at the time. If we was middle of the table, again, if we was middle of the table and safe and he goes, I'm not playing, fair enough. But he left when, when we really needed him the most. And it... And it Honestly, I think we would have stayed up if it if he if he did play, but it's all, you know, what ifs and in hindsight, of course it is. But but um, we we lack that we lack that leader up top and that talisman. It's a funny one with Lyle Taylor because normally when I discuss players' personalities and the way they come across, I make I always like to make a point of saying, well, I've never met the person, so I don't know. But funnily enough, I actually have met Lyle Taylor, and it was in the most oddest situation ever, and I'm sure I've mentioned this before. Um, he, when he used to play for Falkirk, he came to, yeah. he came to Lush the for some skincare. Yeah, yeah, he came to Lush, yeah. Shop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> came for skincare. And I remember thinking, he was, he was so sound. And I remember just thinking, yeah. and I always kind of kept an eye on his career after that because I thought, oh, what a nice lad. Because he had a, you know, a strong sort of like Cockney accent. And I was like, what are you doing up here? And he chatted and stuff like that. But I remember I thought he was going to say he had a nice strawberry, strawberry body wash. Or something. So am I. <laughs> I think it was. Detail, though, G. He, he, he was worried about his. I, I believe he was worried about the the spots on his cheeks. He, I think you saying you got you got acne or something. Funny enough, if I remember correctly. But I always remember thinking he was dead sound. But then when he kind of got big, shall we say, like after Wimbledon and Sunderland were after him, and there was a whole conflict between him and Stuart Donald, and then what he's done now with Charlton, which, in my opinion, left you in, in, in your arrow of need, like you've just said, and um, there seems to be maybe a bit of. I don't know, a bit of credence to the fact that he's, he's got a bit of, I don't know, his personality could be questioned potentially. Uh, yeah, possibly. I think on the outside looking in, I think there would have been a lot of people who would have felt the same as most Charlton fans would have, but they're on the, in the same token, you had, you had people like Robbie Savage coming out and, you know, backing him up. And um, I mean, in terms of him as a person, I mean, he'd done a lot for you know around the community and for the club and you yeah. know, I don't question he's a bad person I just think he's quite headstrong and if he wants to do something he'll do it and yeah and he's better you know he's not one to shy away from confrontation or you know he was always the pantomime villain on the pitch as against us when he's at Wimbledon and for us to many many teams and there was a lot that didn't like him but that's Lyle Taylor but again I wouldn't wish, wish any ill health or anything like that I just think in the football world, I think loyalty is not much of a thing anymore, really. I mean, if you look at look around, how many players have been there for years and years, and there's, you've not really got many. But yeah, yeah, I just think he was headstrong, and once he wants to do something, he'll do it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think the situation with the Stuart Donald and stuff, I, I don't know. Um, but I think with certain things that have happened with Sunderland since then, I'd, I'd be I'd be tempted to err on the side of Lyle Taylor saying we probably didn't want to pay for that hotel that we claimed we did and he said we didn't or whatever it was. But um, I'd, be, I'd be tempted to err on his side these days as opposed to the way around. But nonetheless, he's gone, he's, he's in the past. And I suppose on your summer signings, you haven't signed many because of the situation, but you've signed some, I think, real genuine quality at this, league, uh, this level as well. I think Alex Gilby, obviously great player, came from MK Dons. Um, Ben Watson's done it for years, and I think even though he's he's not the right side of thirty, he's gonna he's gonna do a job at this level that the likes of like Darren Prattley probably did for you a couple of years ago, and, and still probably is at the minute. Well, I know he's moved to sort of centre back, and Connor Washington maybe not been doing it for a while, but he's came down from Hearts. Um, they're kind of the standout signings from what I could see. But how have the new signings settled in in the first few weeks? Yeah, for us, I mean, obviously on Saturday we got Akin Fenway from. <clears throat> from Norwich, who's a centre half, he's a ball playing centre half, so he's more or less like a younger Nabby. Um, mm-hmm. We needed to replace Nabby on the ball at uh, the back. Uh, he obviously, he's gone to Huddersfield. Um, he's gone to Huddersfield. <clears throat> Adam Matthews is still not signed on, but I don't know if he's waiting for a better offer because I think last season, I mean, once he got fit, he, I would, he was apart from Dylan winning player, I think he would probably run it a close second, Adam Matthews. And I know he, he didn't really get a lot of time because he was on the injury table a lot up, up at you guys, but. Um, he'll be a good signing. Then you've got, yeah, Connor scored a couple. Again, it's hard really. Is he a striker? Is he a winger? Is he? It's a bit different where he's going to play, but he started well. Alex Gilby, great sign, like you say, but he's out for a month now. Um, he's done oh, his Achilles. He? Yeah, he's done his Achilles um, the other week. So it's probably, a, he's in a boot. So it'll probably be a month. So you won't be seeing him on Saturday. Um, and then, yeah, Ben Watson, like you say, he's been there, done it. Great experience at this level. Did Levitt, who come from Man United, who's a central midfielder. I mean, Nicky Butt, who runs the under the, the youth guys up at Man United, said he's one of the best passers at the club. And yet on Sunday against Lincoln, he was, uh, I, I called him Dylan Perlow. He was that, he, his range of passing was unbelievable. And it's just a shame we haven't really got that pace um, to get on the end of it. And then we just got to hope, obviously, um, we can hold our resolve from any bids from Celtic for Alfie Doughty. So, but I mean, that's, there's apparently, I don't know. I can't remember. I think the Bose wants another four, five, or six maybe before the transfer window. Whether or not they'll come in this week, I don't know. I'm hoping there'll be at least a couple this week. But it'd be interesting to see if he waits until the last minute. So obviously, uh, you guys don't do too much homework. When it comes to Lee Boy, yeah, that's probably quite an interesting one as well. I've I've been thinking about recently. Really well liked the child, and obviously loved as a as a player when he was there as well. Um, but the thing is with, with Boyer is because of the situation, it's always felt like he's on the verge of leaving at any point. Are you quite confident that now he's the takeover's in place, he's, he's settled, he's going to be there long-term? Oh, I mean, I mean, I remember, remember doing the podcast with Charlton Live just after we got relegated. And I think everyone, I would probably say 99% of the fans thought, well, he ain't going to be here. Um, he was linked with moves to, to Birmingham and Huddersfield and, you know, a few other clubs. And I was amazed when he's still here. And even throughout this time, that he still remained here with Jack, uh, Johnny Jackson as his number two. And then the injunctions come along and I was like, surely he's got to go here. Surely he's going to go. I mean, I don't know how he does it, but he's come out and, you know, he's got a, he's got a good contract, long contract. And he said that he, he, could, he couldn't just leave us in the limbo. And obviously he started with us 
uh, well at his career before he moved on to Leeds and had a great career there. But he obviously has an affinity with the club, um, and he obviously doesn't want to leave us there. So hopefully, um, I think the thing is now for Bose is that he's now going to be left to manage the football team instead of dealing with the all the stuff in the background that he, he, a football manager shouldn't need to do. Um, which now Thomas is here and hopefully you get some people around him. So I think now Bowie's going to enjoy himself because he can focus on improving all the youngsters we always bring in. Um, and I think, I think I saw something the other day. I think we've never had, we've always had at least one academy graduate in the match day squads. I think the last time we didn't was back in 2006. So, I mean, he obviously wants to keep progressing people and even loan signings. I mean, the amount of loans we've, we've had and he's improved them as a player, you know, Christian Billick, you know, Joe Rebo, Josh Cullen, you know, all these players that have gone back, Conor Gallagher, all these players that have gone back and have, have, have done better. And, and that's what Bo's good at. So I think he's going to have a nice time now. Once he gets some signings through the door, he's got something to play with. I think it's almost like you do have to do that at this level, don't you? You do have to, I mean, you want to get into the championship, especially if you're a Charlton or, or a Sunderland or, you know, clubs of that ilk. But I think a lot of the time it's about, I mean, we had it with Maggio. Unfortunately, we pretty much yeah. got no money for that. Um, I mean, I know essentially we did, but I think we owed them money for for Kasri anyway. So I don't think we actually made any money from that. But I think you have to kind of almost bring your, your young players to develop them, give them a chance, and then hopefully they, they give you some kind of profit and then allow you to bring a few more players in and then rebuild. And then, fingers crossed, you can get up. But I think Charlton would have probably mastered that, wouldn't they, if it wasn't for the case of, you couldn't really build on it because you still had all that uncertainty. It probably would have been a bit different if you went up with someone who was a little bit more steady and could continue that plan that boy is obviously implementing. Yeah, of course. I mean, if you, I mean, even now you look at Alfie Doughty's who's linked with Celtic. I mean, there was what give it maybe a couple of years ago, if that, maybe a year and a half ago, he was playing for, he was on loan at a team called Bromley or in the Vanarama National, and they're literally down the road from me. And now he's one of our decent players um you've obviously george lapsley that come through played up at the at you guys for the first game of the season albie yeah. morgan um and we just keep we keep producing them but i mean and obviously this year we've got charlie barker who's played every game and he wasn't even he's never played an under 23 game before this season so i think sometimes it's forced i mean the, the situation we were in it was forced a little bit with charlie um but the others we've always had a we'll always try and blend it in between but and that's what I think what we're renowned for. And going back on the other players, you know, you've got Ezri Konzo who scored his first goal for Villa the other day. Um, and it's just like a never-ending cycle. But it's a shame that we're not big enough to keep him longer. Um, Joe Gomez is another one, you know. So it's just a shame we can't keep him longer. But we just, what Bowie will do is he'll try and blend them in between. And Pete, like you said, what you were saying earlier about Ben Watson, you've got players like that who can, and Darren Prattley, who can only obviously enhance their careers and obviously their progression. Yeah, absolutely. Talk about managers. Um, I've, I've suddenly developed into a, a very much a Parkian man after never really being a Philip Parkinson fan at all in any way, shape, size, or form. But um, fans of like obviously Colchester, Bradford, and, and probably Bolton as well quite liked um, Philip Parkinson. But I was looking through his time at Charlton, and for some reason in my head, I was thinking he had a terrible time at Charlton. But I think his official record was. Played 114, won 44, drew 37, lost 33. So his win ratio comes to 38.60, which, aside from Sunderland and Colchester, is actually his best win ratio. Um, 
you've yeah. had Parky for longer, or you had Parky for longer than than we've had him. He's a bit in the middle at the minute. I don't think anyone's fully Parky in. I don't think I think there's people that are fully Parky out and people who are just still waiting to see how the first few months go. But what was your experience of Phil Parkinson when he was at Charlton? Yeah, I mean, as a person, I mean, he was, you know, he was a really nice guy. I mean, from people I spoke to, he was a really nice, polite guy. He obviously came in as Pards, and Pardew's number two. Um, yeah. And then um, he, you know, he had a good time and and then obviously we went down and I think we, we lost to Swindon in the playoffs, I think. And but I think the, the, the problem with Parker, the, the, the squad that he inherited when we got relegated was so poor. I don't think you would have had Mourinho and we would have got out of it. So, um, but yeah, I... <laughs> I remember when it when because he, he was sacked just after just early January I think it was when we lost to Swindon ironically yeah uh, when um but um yeah I could understand why but I just I, I did feel a bit sorry for him because I actually didn't think he was that bad but I mean from from his time here he he didn't he was never really he was quite an honest bloke um you know he seemed like a nice chap um and you know we won some good games when he was here you know and he only originally came in. You know, as Pardew's number two, and then Pardew left, and he sort of took the mantle and, and put it us. I mean, I remember there was loads of games. I think there was one, um, but I can't remember what which one it was. But I mean, the Swindon game that he he lost was I remember when he got sacked. And you always are going to have some people that rumbling, and so I think that was when we first went into started going into the league one years, and I think some people thought maybe we were a bit too good to be there. But as we all know, it's not that easy to bounce straight back up. Um, but yeah, no, for, throughout his time there, he was there, what, three years, wasn't he? Or just under three years or something? Something like that. Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I, he was he was fine. I didn't really have anything to grumble about, but it is what it is. And I think he's a good manager at this level. And well, I remember seeing there was there was some people that were, you know, up in Sunderland that weren't weren't, a, weren't his biggest fan, which is fair enough. But I think if given the time, um, considering, you know, what he went through at Bolton, the stuff that he had to deal with there, I just think he deserves a bit of a bit of a chance to have a proper crack at something, and it looks as though that he's he's obviously given getting a bit more of a chance um, up at you guys. I think what well, he's got just coming up to a year now, isn't he? To be, yeah, yes. approximately. And he's, I mean, he's football. He's we well, haven't played that well the past few games. Truth be told, in terms of like free flowing football, but we've got the job done, and he feels like that kind of manager. Maybe I don't know. I've come to that point in Sunderland League One seasons where I just want the job done I don't care how it's done so but I'm sure there'll be people that disagree with me and some people really hate Parkinson but yeah not not too bad for someone who looks like a substitute teacher to be fair at the moment because um, he does <laughs> so I, remember, like I remember seeing um, I remember the first game of the season I remember you got a, I think you got injury did you get a really late goal against Bristol or something uh, Bristol Rovers we scored like 85th yeah. minute and I, yeah and I remember look I thought oh that was close and I thought, well, I'll see how, let's see, let's look at the stats to see how they see how they got. And I remember looking at it, and you had something like over twenty shots and like seventy percent possession or something. I'm like, oh my word, how does that happen? But mad though, and it but it shows how mad the league is, really, doesn't it? But yeah, I mean, um, you've obviously picked up a little bit of form now. But um, yeah, it's just, I think if you give him a bit of a chance, he might actually do something. Now he's now you've been settled and you seem to be out of the limelight for now, so to speak, in inverted commas. But yeah, if he gives a chance, you never know what happened. Talking about the, the way we've started, the, I was looking at obviously your results and I've had a bit of a watch of what I can. Yeah. It's not started too well, but one thing I've kind of realised about Charlton is I think a few people said, you know, maybe playoffs because of things that were going on at the start of the season. 
Um, you've had the feet to wait at Lincoln, who I actually think are going to surprise people this year. I think Lincoln are a good side. Um, and Doncaster are always a decent side, but that was at home. But yeah. is it the kind of, is it a disastrous start because you were expecting to come straight back up? Or has, because of the situation, do you have a little bit more patience with results like that and, and think, you know, onwards and upwards we can we can win Saturday and, and still be in around the, the playoff places that the automatic promotion slot. So are you just looking to have a bit of like consolidation this season for, for once and not have any drama? Well, <laughs> we never have no drama, mate. <laughs> I, think, I mean, look, looking at the first game, I think the crew game was quite a professional performance from us. I feel, you know, we were fairly comfortable. Uh, the Donny game was weird because we started the game and absolutely was, we started on fire. Um, and then they scored uh, through a deflection. Um, and then we just seemed to just lose it. We just, just like, just seemed our heads used to just went. Um, and then the same on Sunday against Lincoln, you know, first 45 minutes, we were absolutely, I think we had like 11 shots or something in the first foot and they didn't have one and literally pummeling them. And then I don't know if you've seen the goal, but they, they got a penalty which was saved. So it was headed back to the penalty taker who was two yards offside and, and they scored. And the ref said, well, we, we, if we said it was offside, we would have guessed because the referee, didn't, the line weren't in line. So Bowie was saying, well, you obviously guessed that he was onside, um, which was annoying going down 1-0. But second half, we weren't good enough and, and, and we ended up losing 2-0. But in terms of the, the start, um, I think if knowing the situation and that we hardly have any players, um, you can it's disappointing of course it is you want to win every game but um in hindsight you look at it and go well let's write those off you know write those two games off and i think another thing um probably have to think about is not just with us it's with sandler with every single you know with every single club is if no one's really had a proper pre-season and and i said um said on the podcast the other day i said i'm not really going to start looking at things properly league tables and stuff till five, six, seven games into the season because it's going to take some time to, to get into the swing of it. And you can tell the, the level isn't there. You can tell the level isn't there as in terms of performance and fitness. But I think give it time, it'll all start panning out nicely. But once we get some signings in, hopefully it starts improving. Whether or not we'll have a late surge again into, into, into the playoffs or into the top two, who knows. But um if it's not this year, it's still only three games in. If it's not yet this year, it's fine. But at least now, the main thing for us is that we've got the, the you know, the, the stuff in the background sorted now, and yeah. we can forget about that and focus stuff on the pitch and getting behind the boys on both. I know it's in the both games. I think all three games actually. It looks. To, I could be wrong because Google's not always the best. But I, I watched the highlights and it looked like it might have been right for one spot. You're in like a, a traditional four-four-two. Is is that what you're going for this season? Yeah, so obviously when we was last in League One, Bowie was um, he played the diamond a lot. Yeah. Um, and what we've tried to do, obviously because of personnel, we've had to probably switch from a five-three-two where we've got three centre halves because we was blessed with good centre halves, you know, last last season, and we've never really been blessed with natural width. Um, we had Andre Green for a bit, but then from Aston Villa, but he got injured, and we've got Alfie now. Um, but even now, even I mean, we've we've set up between we've had a four three three, we've gone three at the back, we've gone a flat four four two, like we did on Sunday. So we're a bit a little bit more flexible and fluid in our selections, but we haven't really got any natural width apart from Alfie Doughty. And 
sometimes, you know, as much, it's hard, it's a mate of mine said, it's like Bale going forward in terms of transition and running with a ball, but then getting to the final third, it's his inexperience. He just, his decision makings and his final ball just needs to be that little bit better. But um, yeah, so I think Bowie is probably trying to change it up. I think the, the difference is, I think when you play a, when you play a diamond, which again, we had the players to play the diamond last year, a lot of teams couldn't cope. But I think if you come up across teams who like the width and have got two really quick, tricky wingers, they stretch you. And then um, I think that's sometimes where where we got undone last season, especially towards the tail end of the championship. So I think Bowie is obviously looking at it and tr- just trying to have different players to, to suit different games because... I think in League One, he always said that we were probably one of the fittest in the league. Um, and I, I agree with that, um, which has probably helped us get away with it a little bit. But this year, we've probably, because of the pre-season and the, the personnel and stuff, we need to try and do things a bit differently and just make us a little less predictable. Because I think that sometimes, again, like you said earlier about the championship, we came up with sort of an unknown quantity, didn't know how, to, how we were going to play. And we surprised some teams. I remember we beat Derby 3-0 at home, um, absolutely pummeled them. Forest, we absolutely battered, but only got a draw. And then people started to realise how we played and we didn't really have a play, plan B. Um, so I think this year, Bose is obviously going against the grain a little bit and trying to keep, keep his options open and what, how we should play against each team. Now, moving away from this season again a little bit and going back unfortunately to something that I don't really want to bring up too often but I thought I might as well on this one because I think there is it's probably an opinion worth asking for here I think um something to let I too which obviously oh, yeah. unfortunately yeah. for us a bit of a smash hit so it seems and I think you know I did and that doesn't offend me or bother me in any way shape as a form but your Twitter account had a bit of a giggle at it when it was like ready to come out and yeah I'm, I'm I don't mind that at all yeah. but I think the series as a whole was very different to, to season one and that it showed you pretty much a lot about Stuart and Charlie, which is, there's lots of opinions about that and I'll keep them to a side and but I'm sure a lot of people have watched it and had their own opinions outside of someone. But I think Charlton, like Charlton and Sunderland fans, like I said before, has always had a really great relationship since 98. I, I genuinely feel that. and I think a lot of yeah. fans do on both sides. But as a fan of a club that was run... Maybe a, a lot of the talk was in the boardroom. What did yeah. you make of the series, the, the second one from the, the way the club has been running, Stuart and Charlie, as opposed to the, just the playoff final? Because I'm sure you enjoyed that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, to be fair, there, there wasn't really much of the playoff final, but um, considering it was the sort of end bit, I've, not even the game, it was just I thought the build-up would probably be a little bit more. But in terms of as a whole, I, I mean, I preferred number one. Um, I think number one, you... Well, not just because Johnny Johnny Williams was in it. I just thought you got to learn more about the players. Whereas the second one, as much you you know, I thought it was okay. But if you compare it to say the latest Spurs one, the Spurs one isn't about Daniel Levy and what he does at home with his wife and kids. And no. I thought I thought the second one to an extent was more of the Charlie and Stewart show more than actually the club. Um, but again, you know, I you know I did enjoy it. I watched it probably within two days because you know I like those sort of things but um, it was very different and I did think as a fan not even of Sunderland but as a fan of football um, I enjoyed the first one because you got to know the players to an extent that you probably would never have learned before Um, and I think that was the one because after Sunderland till I die one is obviously I, um, I watched the Man City one I've watched the Spurs one I've watched the Brazil one 
and I just thought it was really good. And plus, it got a good tune out of it as well, which was the Lake Poets, wasn't it? I love that yeah. tune. Um, but yeah, so I just think it was it was a bit sort of I don't know why it was, but the, the feeling for me it was there was some points in it where I'm thinking, well, not being funny and. I mean, the bit, one of the good bits was obviously the transfer when you got Will Grigg. I thought that was quite tense or whatever you want to call it. But I just thought it was, I didn't think there should have been as much about the ownership because it's about the club and not, you know, fans, you know, fans want to see the stuff about the ownership sometimes. But a lot of it is, what are the players like? What do they do on a day-to-day basis? What are they like in the changing room? What's their personalities like? Because not a lot of people have social media. No, you know, no disrespect, but the older generation might not have the Twitters and the and the yeah. Instagrams of this world. And I just thought a platform like that could, instead of just focusing on, on who are we, the owners of this football club, is, well, what do all fans want to see? And then that's, that, was, that would be my only change. But if Charlton had one, 99% sure it would all have been about the ownership, which, got, which I'm glad we didn't have, because it would have, it would have been, some, uh, been some material to, for a nightcap, I'm sure. But yeah, it was, it was good. But I, I think I, would, I definitely preferred the first one. What did you make of uh, Charlie Meth? And I always like getting the the alternative non Sunderland view because Charlie's um, Charlie's an interesting character, eh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I just think of Marmite. That's what I think. Probably, yeah. but I, I think a lot of people like Marmite a lot more than they like Charlie. But I think that for me, like he's a bit of um. Listen, I don't know the guy. David Brent. <laughs> not even that I just think when he speaks it's like it doesn't seem like he's a football fan I'm, he probably is you know whatever but just, you know when like the face don't fit that's what yeah. it seems like and I remember there were clips on there when you know and he tried getting the, <laughs> the, the stadium music and I just remember when they were in that meeting and you had the, what was it the head of media or something and it, was his face. Oscar. it was Oscar <laughs> brilliant absolutely superb and the then best the other Oscar bit about, moment. And then about the, when you had the game, and I know he was, he was buzzing to try and hit this target. I can't remember where it was. But the way he spoke to the, the woman there, and I just thought, you know what? There's, there's ways that you do things. And I don't know the guy, but yeah, he's a bit, um, yeah. I would expect him more to sort of own a rugby club more than a football club, especially <laughs> like a, you know, a working class football club. You know, if it was a Chelsea yeah. or uh, Man United, fair enough. But it's a working working class sort of club and it didn't really fit yeah and it, it's felt to be honest i think obviously i think people quite liked him at the start and it's one of those things when you have the dawn of a new era you want it to be you, you want it to do well and i think there's a lot of people who nowadays do the whole i told you so sort of thing and it's it's yeah. annoying and it's made us probably a little bit more hardened towards anyone new that comes in like we we every something fan whenever we get linked to someone we now vet like everything about them because I think we were a little bit taken in by the kind of openness and the niceness and it's annoying that it was almost I felt like our death our desperation was sort of preyed on in some way but this is in charge of the club I guess so I better be careful what I say but nonetheless um, well, yeah, I think it's, it's similar to sort of what we had with you know with Matt Southall when he came in I mean he on his first game he got a standing ovation walking through the with walking through one of the lounges and I just think it, it a lot of people are a lot more apprehensive now and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, their fingers have been burnt before and they, it don't want to happen again. And it's hard because the new owner, whoever that will be, if, you know, he could actually be really genuine, but people won't forget, you know, what, you know, what they try to do or 
what they were what we perceived them to try to do. So, but yeah, I can understand um, every sort of every fan of, of why they're a bit apprehensive of the whole situation. Yeah, no, no, me absolutely, especially being like as a Sunderland fan, hundred percent. But during that and um, the series itself, obviously at that point, Aidan McGeady was our our key player, and um, it's a hill that I'll die on. I'd like to see Aidan McGeady come back into the side, and I know that many people disagree with me on that, but opinions make the, the football world go around, right? Um, that has changed beyond belief, as you well know. doesn't even have a squad number now. Um, he spent the second half of last term um, on loan to yourself. What did Charlton fans make of him? Um, you know what? I mean, I think he played 10 times for us, I think, but mm-hmm. I can't even name you the 10, the 10, 10 games he played. I can't, I can't even name you... 10 things he'd done and you know and I don't know if he was fully fit I know he, he took him a couple of weeks when he signed he, he weren't in the squad for a, maybe a week or so but he didn't look fit in my opinion I don't know if he was stopped training when he was up there with Parky or whatever but um, I must admit with the pedigree that he's got you know he's played in played in Russia played in Champions League and Ireland and I was expecting a bit more but um, yeah, nothing, no, nothing really. I don't even think he set one up. I don't think he got an assist. Um, so he's a bit of a disappointing one, really, because I mean, obviously, when Lyle went, you're looking around at, or especially if he wasn't starting, because he didn't start many. Um, when you're looking at the bench and you're thinking, right, game changers, who have we got? Like, well, hang on, we've got Aidan McGeady here. He, you know, he's not, he's not some little ragamuffin from a Sunday league, too, you know? So, but uh, yeah, it never sort of come to fruition, unfortunately. And, um, yeah, I didn't really put it this way. In two years' time, if if someone says to me, "Oh, do you remember Aidan McGeady played for you?" I'd be like, "Oh, yeah, of course he did." Yeah. It's like one of them ones. It's not like, "Oh, right, yeah." So you know, like I don't know, you'll have you'll always got one of your players that you will always forget that oh, played yeah. for you. But it would be Emmanuel a, a Abue for us. He never actually played. Oh, he, there you go. He paid. I think he, he had a we signed him, and then he owed money to his agent. And his agent won in some kind of FIFA court case and banned him from football. And he's never played football again, as far as I'm aware. Abu ah. is the one that always comes to mind because or, he's a, or, in, or Adam Matthews. <laughs> Adam, <laughs> Adam Matthews. Now we sort of spoke off air about Adam Matthews. To be fair, and I, was, I tell you, what I was actually going to ask about. I was going to actually ask about Johnny Williams, but I'll ask about balls because off yeah. air you were obviously saying that Adam Matthews is you quite liked him to mm. us. He was here for years, and when he eventually did play, we were in League One. He got injured, as he always did. Um, and Luke O'Neill came in at right back, and that was the end of Adam Matthews. But you quite liked him. Yeah, I did. I mean, last year, obviously, with us, when we played a diamond, obviously, he offered us an outlet. Um, our left back, uh, Ben Purriton, isn't the great, even though he's, well, ironically scored against you guys, but he's not actually yeah. good going forward. He's not good. He, you know, if he gets the ball out wide, he, he's, he, won't, he won't pick up many assists. He's one of those, what are they, you know, a seven out of 10 left back, don't really do much wrong, but doesn't do much going forward. Whereas, Adam always was always high, always wide and offered us something different. And I think apart from deals and maybe Josh Cullen, I think he was probably one of my um, players of the year. And I think that's echoed a lot across the fan base. He's been brilliant and he was out of contract. Um, There are rumours that he might be involved, but for me, I think he's, I think he's better than league one from if he stays fit, which he did last year. He was a regular and he was probably the first name on the team sheet again after before, probably after Josh and Dylan. But um, yeah, so he, he, he's really good. So hopefully we can get him back because we, re- we haven't got a recognised right back at the moment. That's where Charlie Barker's playing and he's a centre-half. 
Um, Johnny, um, Johnny, again, it's just you've managing him, aren't you? Really? Um, yeah. He still ain't scored for us, which I mean, he's loved by the Charlton fans, absolutely adored. Um, probably if because he, he's ex Palace as well, probably boosts it up a little bit. But um, yeah, he's adored by every Charlton fan. You know, he's and one thing we did record. So I think his first ever appearance for us was off the bench against you guys when I think it was back in January. I think it was one. Oh, I think it was. Yeah. 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 It was. And, um, so that was his first game. And what we did know is he's obviously great on the ball, but he's work ethic. I mean, I never thought I'd see it when you see him first, you know, he sort of does his little bit in the final third and then just stops. But now Bowyer gets him running. If he ain't running, he'll, you know, drag him off. Um, he set up a couple of goals, but everyone loves him down there. And it's just a shame that we've just got to manage him because he come on Sunday, but I think you just need to run in the side. But it's trying to find Johnny's best position because if you do, if you put Johnny Williams in a number 10, you know, you you are more or less playing with three up top, really. And do you play him out wide and him cutting in? So, but then, so it's difficult. We're really, we're just going to try and find him. So he does seem like he's filling in as a, as an impact player, but yeah, he's loved by every um, every every Charlton fan for sure. Played for us during a really difficult period, and I think he was injured so often for us, we never really got a chance. But there was occasional glimpses of you seeing a player that could really carry a ball. And I think I think he had a really, from memory, he had a really good game at Wembley um, when he came on, obviously against us. And I, yeah, I think that was a game he deserved to win. But I feel like when he came on, that kind of turned the screw and that was you just, a little bit didn't he? yeah it was just that was just something all over. he kept stretching <laughs> your right O'Neill and obviously led better doubled up on him and uh and I think yeah when we was he sent on that left hand side he kept stretching you and I think we got a couple of free kicks down that side um but yeah he's, he's a good player it's just a, it's a case of you want him to play every week but you know he can't so it's picking and choosing what games he can play he's never going to play a Saturday Tuesday Saturday Tuesday so um but yeah, no, he's he's adored and and obviously I think with with Charlton fans obviously seeing the Sunderland documentary, the first one, you can see him as a person as well. And he's you know he's loved around the training ground. He's a really nice lad. And um, but yeah, we're just hoping that he scores a goal. I don't know who that'll be. Maybe it will be Saturday. Who knows? But um, we just want him to score. Just just it'll be euphoria. But we'd rather him wait until the fans are back. I do always wonder if he got those dogs because remember when he said he wanted to adopt a couple of dogs on season one because <laughs> he was that lonely. I always wonder if he ever went and just got the fucking dog. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> because it's like, why not? Well, I was going to say, Tom from, Tom from Charlton Live done an interview with him a, a few weeks or a couple of months ago, which we should have spoke before then. He would have asked it then. Um, but yeah, I don't know if he has got any dogs. I don't. He hasn't put anything on Instagram anyway. So He's definitely not got a hair transplant. I've noticed that. <laughs> Looks like a little gnome, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. But I think he's, you know what, he played for us during a horrible time, but I, I, I think you could see in glimpses that he had something about him. And I think when I've seen him for Charlton, it's the same thing. You just, bless his heart, he's just never fit. But one thing I always find really interesting, because when we're speaking about sort of doing the previews and I'm speaking about your plays and stuff like that, I often forget that we have some good players as well. Um, so I always find it quite interesting sort of, Going into Saturday, you're, you're probably quite familiar with a lot of our players because how often you played us not too long ago. And the squad hasn't really changed, not not massively. So which players are you concerned about going into on Saturday? Well, I mean, obviously, I think defensively, I think, because um, the last time we played you, you had a, a player that I always thought was you could easily get was that Ozturk, dude. Yeah. Um, 
But I think you've got Bailey Wright now, who's a great player from Bristol. Um, yeah. I think he's a great side, especially at League One level. When, I mean, when you signed him, I thought, wow, to get him at this sort of um, get him at this level. Uh, you've got obviously you've got Josh Gow and you Elliot Embleton. He's from the youth, isn't he? The midfielder. Elliot yeah, I don't know how. I mean. Is he's he waited finally. He's he's injured again, but I think he's back. In, I think he's back in training. So it, there's an outside chance he could be on the bench. But he hasn't featured yet. But that's because he's, but he was injured all of last season pretty much, and he's came back this season, got an injury in pre-season. But I think it was only a couple of weeks, so he could be back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got well, you've got Danny Graham again at this level. <laughs> I mean, great player. In, at this level, he should score you goals, whether or not he has. Uh, and then you've got Aidan O'Brien, who's obviously come from the team from down the road from us, which I won't yes. mention and I won't swear. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, he, he's, again, he, he's a good player at this level. So I think you've got some good pedigree at the level. Um, I just think, obviously, trying to settle on, on a side, really. Um, I mean, obviously, you've got your Max, is Max Power fit and is Josh Gowan fit or are they all injured or... Scowen, Scowen doesn't often play, but he played on Saturday because Max Power was injured and George Dobson is suspended. But Ledbetter's come in for Dobson. Yeah. Scowen came in for, but but we seem to play Scowen or Parkinson said he wants to play Scowen on like the right hand side, and it was really weird. He started in the middle oh, really? on Saturday, and Maguire got injured, um, but he put Maguire got injured and he brought Aidan O'Brien on and changed the. The, like the forward line a little bit. I think Aidan O'Brien went up front with Charlie White. But what he did, which worked out, but it was quite weird, he actually moved Lyndon Gooch from the right wing into midfield and moved Josh Gowan onto the right wing. Um, oh, a lot of fans... He's usually Scowen. a ball-winning player, isn't he, uh, Josh Gowan? Yeah, that, that's what we were kind of taught that he was. But, I mean, with, with Scowan, there's a lot of fans want to see him in the team. There's been a big clamour to see him. I, I've often not seen enough of him to say whether I want him in the team or not. Um, but funnily enough, it's been Ledbet has been the one that was probably the forgotten man before the season because he hadn't played for so long for, unfortunately, some mental health issues. Um, but he's came back and in my opinion, been our best player the past two weeks. So, But I think you'll probably see Scowen because I think Max Power is out with a hamstring injury again, but he might be fit. Mm. And then, yeah, so, I mean, you've got, again, you look at, the, you look at your players, they're good for the level. I just think it's just getting a, a settled, consistent um, forward, uh, well, a, a, like a system, so to speak, really. I mean, that first game against Bristol, having 25 shots, and you score the last, what, last 10 minutes, you're just thinking, well, where the goal's going to come from. But then you look at your forwards, I mean, Wikes, you know, he might not get you 15, 20 goals, but, you know, he's a good, good target man, good support player brings others. Aidan O'Brien can play either wing or, or in centre, like you say. Danny Graham, I mean, Danny Graham was in Blackburn last year. So, and then obviously Will, obviously Will Griggs on fire, but he's extinguished at the moment. But, uh, yeah, you, you look at the squad, you're, you're still, you're probably top six squad. Yeah, I would hope so. I would hope so at a minimum, very much so. And I think, it's easy to say when you've come off the back of two wins against two promotion hopefuls, but it does feel a little bit like we do Maybe we've underestimated how we could do this season, but I'd like to. Mm. I'd like a striker in that could score twenty goals. That isn't Will Grigg, because obviously, yeah, as you said, that's the thing. Try because we're after saying exactly the same because we create chances, but we just waste them. So the same, same on Sunday, we had so many shots, we just, we just lack composure. But that's going to cost you money, and obviously with the Will Grigg thing, but you know it is going to cost you money, and sometimes it don't pay off. But I know we're linked with someone. Um, 
that's not in England from Denmark, believe it or not. But I don't know if that will happen. Um, and I think there was there was rumours of incumbent. I can't even pronounce the name. FC Mighty Land or something. Yeah, I know who you mean. Champions. Yeah. yeah. So he played in in Europe, and we might be getting him. But we'll see. But I think yeah, looking on paper, the, the squad you've got is very very strong. But um, so it's going to be a tricky game on Saturday for sure. So last but not least, you know, since we last spoke, we always get a score prediction. But since we last spoke, <laughs> we've beaten you in the last minute. You've beaten us in the last minute, and then you got relegated with the last minute goals. So I always feel like there's a significance with last minute goals and with Charlton. What do you think the chances are of another last minute winner, or do you think it's going to be a boring nil nil? Um, with the if so, if we don't make any signings, um, I reckon it will probably be one all. Um, I think we'll probably score first. I think we might score early-ish. Um, but yeah, you're, I think you might. Sc- I think we might sit behind a ball and you might score late on. But that's with as we are at the moment. But you might even win it if it stays. It is just for the just for the firepower you've got and just sort of we're lacking a little bit going forward. Um, if we make some signings in terms of up top, I might be a little bit more confident. But you guys are on a on a big well two wins and obviously in good spirit. So um, it's going to be tricky but I'm just glad it's it's come now where where I can try and blame and blame the oh it's only three games into it <laughs> we ain't got any players I can try and blame that but no it's going to be um it's, listen even if it was even if you lost 10 on the bounce I still wouldn't be too confident yeah no hopefully we can come away with a point or maybe three but I think we just got to wait and see to see if we get any bodies in the door this week yeah Perfect. Nath, thanks as always, mate. Got to catch up. Um, yeah, definitely, mate. I won't wish you luck on, on Saturday because I never will, but I'm, oh, sure cool. I'm sure you won't hold that against me. Um, but good luck for the rest nope. of the season as always. And let's hope we do not mean the playoffs because I don't want that. <laughs> imagine. <laughs> imagine. Just imagine, right? Just imagine. Semi-finals, we both win and it's Wembley. Okay. Surely you're thinking third time lucky. Surely. No, because eight, eight time if it was me, I'm thinking that. I'm thinking third time lucky for them now. But saying that even so even like on that 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 day at Wembley, I was still nervous. And strangely enough, I know we've spoke about them already. The only time I knew or I felt comfortable of winning that game, even though it was still one one, was Aidan McGeady come on. Because all he was doing, he was just shooting left, right, and centre. And I just thought they're clutching here. And I could I could just feel something was gonna change. But um, yeah, if we get you again, there's no way I'm going to have any confidence whatsoever of winning that. I'd just, rather just, just avoid it. <laughs> every every Sunderland fans just listening, going, please, God, no, no, no more. Yeah. No, exactly. But we'll we'll, we'll cross that. We'll, we'll assess the situation. We got you in April, uh, your gaff. So obviously, I'll, if the fans are back in, I'll be up in Sunderland anyway, going to all these bars that went to last time with a good crack. So we'll assess it in April. And if there's if we're both in the playoffs. At that time, well, we just might have to. <laughs> we might have to have a preview of a preview. No, let's just record the Wembley one straight away. I just don't want it. <laughs> Nate, yeah. thanks very much, Chef. All right. No stress. Take it easy, mate. Take it easy, pal. Bye.